When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. I'm Julie. Jules, thank you so much for listening. I hope if you enjoy these podcasts that you share with your friends and family. Oh, there's so much in the news and I try to stay out of the news. This isn't a news podcast. February is Black History Month in Canada. And it's a shame we have to have Black History Month because Black history is our history. It should be just included with everything else as part of our story, as should Indigenous history. I've been going through a masterclass called Black History, Freedom and Love, and it's it's presented by a few very knowledgeable, accomplished people. It includes so much information on how discriminatory systems and legislation have evolved since the American Civil War. I highly recommend it. And I volunteer at the local Hot Docs Theater, and one of the documentaries I was an usher for, so I got to watch it, is called Who We Are, A Chronicle of Racism in America. And if you can get that, I think it might be streaming on Crave. It's well worth watching. It's, again, very well presented. It includes evidence of systemic racism based on the laws that were passed and the quotes from the legislators. And the other thing that's in the news is the Canadian convoy, and the government has declared a state of emergency. I can only imagine how these protesters would have been treated had they been people of color or indigenous. Well, we don't have to imagine it. We just need to look at how protesters have actually been treated in this country. And it is not a source of pride. I certainly agree that our government has messed up the pandemic. I agree that all of us are anxious to have these restrictions lifted. And I understand the mistrust that they may never be lifted. So it's a very complex issue. But can we please fucking invest in hospital ICU support and staff and improvement in long-term care facilities, please? In lighter tabloid news, I've seen articles that Catherine has potty trained her eight-month-old. And I think 
part of the disbelief is that people think of a potty-trained child as someone who independently interrupts what they're doing and then goes to use the potty of their own accord, which, of course, seems highly unlikely for a child who's unable to walk or barely crawling. But I'm going to tell you about one experience with Violet at, I think she would have been about five months old. I had accompanied Catherine and Violet to a salon and was entertaining Violet while Catherine was getting her hair done. Violet started fussing and crying, and I couldn't figure out why. And Catherine said, well, she has to poo, and we didn't have a potty with us. So Catherine told me to lay her down and open her diaper so that she could go. And I thought this was ridiculous. This was, remember, a five, maybe six-month-old child at the most. And I said to her, small babies don't care if their diaper is soiled. And Catherine said, no, she cares. She doesn't like it. So I did as I was instructed. And sure enough, Violet stopped fussing, did her thing, and I was amazed. Once again, the mother learns from the daughter. Violet had learned at five months that she preferred a clean nappy. Catherine recognized when she had to go. I didn't. It's not like a baby can say, I have to go to the bathroom. But Catherine could recognize when she had to go and just put her on the potty. And that made it very easy to transition to no diaper at all at an early age. Of course, there was the occasional accident, but I've seen this happen to seven-year-olds and older ladies and drunk men. Conversely, I've heard other parents talk about how their three- or even four-year-old child would stop playing and go off somewhere to soil their diaper rather than use a potty. They can be very stubborn about it, and this is most certainly because they have, in fact, as Catherine says, been trained to soil their diaper, and therefore they resist the transition. I do think the longer you wait possibly the more difficult it is to train them. For the record, mine were potty trained between 19 months and two years, which I think is considered fairly standard. But again, I was at work all day and Catherine herself says, you're not going to be able to do this unless you're there with the child during the day. And I do think it's easier to transition if you don't leave it too long. I bribed mine with grapes and stories. They would sit on the potty and I would read them stories. And pretty panties, which they cared about. Not all children will care about stuff like that. Dorth, my mom, told me to put them in cloth diapers and socks and shoes because cloth diapers are less comfortable than disposable when they're soiled. And wet socks in a pair of shoes add additional motivation. And since I worked full-time, I spent a full weekend on the training with each of them and made it all about one-on-one attention and fun. So I think Catherine's idea obviously works if you're available to do it. Makes it very easy for her and very pleasant for the child. Oh, this Monday was Valentine's Day, and I call it Galentine's or Palentine's, and no doubt, Someone somewhere is sad to be single. And no one should feel that way. Being single means you're available if someone wonderful comes into your life. When I was young, I didn't actually like myself enough to stay single for long. I sadly seemed to need male validation. It didn't occur to me that 
whatever I wanted might matter. And I would hate for anyone else to feel that way. Anyone, not just women. It actually took me until my 30s to start believing that what I wanted mattered. I I have some opinions on why I was this way, part of which I talked about in one of my previous episodes, Invisible. I had a therapist in Sarnia named Lynn who helped me realize that what I want does matter. Now, I do have a friend who also went to Lynn at some point and did not like her, but she was good for me. So it just goes to show you that if you do seek counseling or therapy, it's important to connect with the right therapist. My boyfriend criteria when I was young was basically, wow, you're interested in me? Okay. I was flattered and didn't really consider whether I genuinely liked the guy myself. I moved to Sarnia a month after my 16th birthday, and I had a bit of a hard time making friends. I don't think a lot of 16-year-olds are necessarily welcoming the new girl at the school with open arms. I certainly found that was the case. I had never even heard of Sarnia when my father informed us we were moving there, and I finished 10th grade at one school because it was the only school that offered Spanish, and I was in the midst of a Spanish credit. And then I switched to a different school for my final two years. And I was excruciatingly shy to begin with, particularly in a new town where I knew absolutely no one. I did go back home to visit friends and my boyfriend at the time, but it was a little high school thing. And it's hard to have a long-distance relationship, especially when you're that young and you don't have a car. I didn't have a job right away after I moved either, so uh, not only did I not have a car, I didn't have money to take the train whenever I felt like it. So not too long after I moved, I ended the long-distance relationship and started seeing a guy who was 19. Ooh, he had a full-time job. He was only three years older than I was, but... He was of legal drinking age, he drove a Cadillac, and even though he lived with his parents, he had no curfew or limitations, and also, I suspect, no living expenses. I felt very grown up that he was interested in me. What? Really? Moi? Ugh. I met him at a party that my friend Debbie had taken me to and started going out with him right away. Did we go to movies, out for dinners, stuff like that? Of course not. We went crop touring with him and his friends. If you're not aware of what crop touring is, you just get together with a bunch of friends, drive around the country, listening to music, drinking. A lot of the boys used to throw empties at stop signs and such. And that's what you do. You just drive around drinking. It's a great small-town Canadian pastime. I got my first taste of the most disgusting wine, Boone's Farm, Strawberry Hill, and Tickle Me Pink. Absolute sugary rot gut. I was raised on whiskey, but I just went along with what was there. I remember my revulsion, hidden, of course, whenever my boyfriend said, Boone's Farm, Tickle Me Dink. (laughs) He thought he was so hilarious. We also spent a lot of time going to bars, which I was only 16, but I guess because I was with an older guy, 
No one ever checked. I never had to have fake ID. But we even spent afternoons in bars. He was friends with some guys who played in a band. So here was I at 16, spending beautiful summer days sitting in a dark, grimy bar, drinking. At least in a bar, I could get a rye or a scotch and not that Boone's Farm rot gut. We used to go fishing occasionally, which was actually one of the more fun things to do because at least we were outside. Once we went fishing off the end of a pier, and normally I didn't catch anything, so I wasn't prepared. I ended up having to empty my purse so that I had something to put the fish in. My mother was completely grossed out when I came home with all these fish in my purse. She made me stay outside in the rain to clean them because she didn't want those disgusting, smelly scales and everything in the house. We used to sometimes go to parties in the country. He lived a couple miles out of town on a farm, and that's where a lot of his friends were. And of course, at these parties, people were just getting drunk and high. The problem wasn't necessarily him. The problem was I, at that time, wasn't considering what I might want to do. I was stupid and just went along with whatever he wanted to do. He used to show up hours late to pick me up. Very often he was drunk when he showed up. You can imagine how upset Dorothy was to see me tolerating this level of disrespect. He really pressured me about my curfew. I was younger than he was. His parents never said a word about his comings and goings. He just lived at home, I assume for free, and had no standards. If he showed up for food, they fed him. His parents were very nice people, but he was disrespectful and unkind to me, and I tolerated it. As I said, he lived in the country, and he his family had a bit of land. In harvest season, I got to drive the tractor. I actually enjoyed that because I liked doing things. One year, we raised chickens, and... I gutted them and defeathered and plucked them. He gave me a ring for Christmas when I was 17, a small diamond cluster, but it wasn't an engagement ring. I moved in with him shortly after I got my first full-time job at age 18. I worked in a bank and talk a bit about that time in one of my previous episodes, 1970s Bankerette. He actively discouraged me from pursuing post-secondary education. He had 10th grade, which, you know, if that's what you have and you make a go of it, there's nothing wrong with that. But he kept saying to me, you can get too much education. You can get too much education. And he also used to call me shit for brains. I think he just, he just wanted to keep me in my place. And there were things I wanted to do, but everything I wanted, I knew I wasn't good enough for. I wanted to be a singer or an actor. I think a singer because singing just lifts my spirits and an actor because I wanted to pretend I was someone else. But I knew I wasn't pretty or thin enough and I didn't have any theater, dance or musical training. My parents wanted me to be an accountant, but I certainly didn't want that. So it was actually not that difficult for Brain to talk me out of going to university. Yes, you heard right. I'm going to call him Brain. Plus, I didn't want to take my parents' money. 
So I wasted those years between 16 and 19, sitting in dark bars, crop touring, hanging out with people getting high. Eventually, I found the courage to end it, and my mom helped me get my own place. She was a property manager of some apartment buildings in town, and she was instrumental in helping me out with that. I recently Googled him just out of curiosity. I wonder what he's doing now. I could not find anything. Nothing. I'm sure he must be alive, or there would have been an obituary. Maybe he changed his name. Who knows? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. But I wasted, really, the end of my high school and the first year and a bit of my full-time work with someone I didn't really like that much. And part of the reason I stuck with him was because he was the first person I had sex with. And I thought, oh, shit, I have to marry this guy. And that's just ridiculous. So I moved out and I had no furniture other than a bed. And I might have had a chair. I, I'm trying to visualize this apartment. It was pretty sparse. A little one bedroom. I know I had no TV. I kept a jug of water in my fridge. I didn't bother buying food. I worked within walking distance of my apartment, and I just went to a little diner across the street for lunch every day and had a bowl of soup for a dollar, and that was my food. I had a few kind of almost things with a few guys after that, but it wasn't too long before I met serious boyfriend number two at a party and drunkenly went home with him, which was uncharacteristic. I had to stick with him then because, again, I didn't want to be a slut. If I had to do it again, I think I would just go back and play the field, spend more time doing all the things I like to do, educate myself. I did take some night courses at the local college, which did offer a lot of gratification and respite for me. So boyfriend number two came from a nice family. I loved his family. His dad was an uncomfortably nice man, and I say that because it made me uncomfortable. He was an actively engaged husband and father, and that felt foreign to me at the time. I was comfortable with drinking and laughter that descended into sneering, criticism, contempt, sometimes rage. Women in my house were routinely referred to as goddamn broads, not wanted, except when they could serve or entertain. And we 
did have some good times. We went on a couple of trips, which I never would have done on my own. My family never went on trips. Well, no, actually. My mother and one of my siblings and I went on one trip. It was a road trip with a friend of my mother's and her children around eastern Canada, which was lovely, but it was definitely uncharacteristic for us to do that. Other than visits to grandparents a few hours' drive away, it just wasn't something that we ever did. It wasn't even something my parents did without us either. And when I started working, I had no interest in taking vacation days. My salary wasn't huge, so it was hard to save up for a big trip. And I know at the time I would have considered it kind of a waste. But Pinky talked me into it, and one trip to Barbados was with a few of his friends. He insisted he wanted me to come on that trip, but in retrospect, I'm sure the friends would have preferred just having all guys there. He probably just wanted someone to share the cost of the hotel room. And I didn't have a lot of money, so when I got there, I had to choose between eating and drinking. So pina coladas were my meals for many days on that trip. On another trip to Florida, we canceled our hotel room to stay in a cab driver's spare bedroom. We were taking a cab somewhere... And Pinky got chatting with the driver about where he could get some cocaine, and they hit it off, and he offered us his spare room. We went to the hotel, packed up, checked out, and went to the cab driver's that day. I don't think his girlfriend was too happy about it. She came home, and there we were. And though I was somewhat relieved to save the money on my share of the hotel— Pinky's motivation was to enable him to afford cocaine, which was a little unnerving, but I went along with all of it. I was pretty much a dysfunctional mess, so I can't blame him, really. I was going to work every day and doing well enough, but I was starving myself to stay thin. I was smoking. I didn't drink every day or anything, but when I drank, I got far too drunk for my own good. He had a good job in a lab at one of the plants, but he was partying quite a bit, and though he knew I was opposed to using illegal substances, I'm pretty sure he was using in secret. And some of our friends were a bit dodgy. I remember playing with a little kid at one party while his mother was doing drugs in the next room. She was a good mother, she said. She didn't want her child to see her doing drugs. I recall seeing an attractive, happy couple at one party. The expectant girl was drinking and maybe getting high and was found dead, pregnant, in a fridge in a ditch a few weeks after. He used to grab my breasts in public, tell me I would have such a fat ass by the time I was 25 that no man would even look at me. You gotta work out, Jules. If I was upset, he laughed in my face and told me I was cute when I was angry. He hung me over a fifth-floor balcony above a parking lot by my ankles one night, and I was very calm while it was happening. But then when he pulled me up again, it was at a party in someone's apartment. When he pulled me up, laughing hysterically, and I got angry, he's like, Oh, you're being ridiculous. I wasn't going to drop you. That's the kind of person he was, to me. Not too long before the end, he 
got hepatitis, claimed it was from a motorcycle accident. I don't know what type of hepatitis it was. But it seemed like the only thing he had energy for after that was for his friends. He just whined so much about having hepatitis that I couldn't take it anymore. I moved out shortly after cheating on him with a friend. Of course, none of this was good for me. Of course, I hated myself. Of course, I needed to do better. You know they say that you train people how to treat you? I probably trained these people to treat me like shit. And the reason I'm sharing the specifics of my experience is just, I felt trapped in these situations, and I want anyone who also feels trapped to know that they are not alone, and they don't have to waste time with someone who's not good for them. Many of us have been there. And I can tell you, I did not find someone who treated me well until I believed I deserved to be treated well. I always say no man or partner is better than the wrong partner. The right partner is a lovely enhancement to your life, but you have other people who love you or your pets. No one will ever love you like a dog. And I think you choose better if you love yourself. So would these guys be classified as diabolical? No, I think they just lived day to day without really thinking too much about their actions. And I wasn't the kind of person to stand up for myself, and so they pushed me around. I'm grateful that they weren't violent. It could have just been a matter of immaturity, and maybe they got better as they got older. If I got the chance to do it again, though, the first time Brain showed up two hours late, drunk, I would have said, fuck you, get out of my life. The first time he called me shit for Brains, I would have said, are you kidding me? get out of my life. These people weren't financially supporting me either. I didn't make a lot of money, but I made enough to get by, and I certainly didn't need them for that. The other thing I would do differently is keep my own apartment. I know it's really expensive for people, and that's one of the reasons we cohabitate with partners before we necessarily should. I was lucky I was in a position where I could have barely afforded to just stay on my own. And I should have. And the sad thing is, I knew deep down, I knew deep down that I was doing the wrong thing every step of the way. I knew I didn't like the situation I was in every step of the way. I knew that I was making bad choices. And you know, too, if you're in that kind of a situation. And if someone you love is in that situation, they also know there's something holding them back. And for me, The thing that held me back was I just didn't think I mattered. Having said that, I know this is superfluous because your gut already knows, but I do have a fun little risk assessment spreadsheet. You can email me if you would like me to send it to you. Your gut already knows if you should or shouldn't be with this person. But some people like to have a pros and cons list. And this spreadsheet is a fun alternative to a list because it has rankings. You list the risks. I've got a few risks here. Drinking issues, addiction issues, anger issues, philandering, lazy. These are some of the risks for me. Your risks are going to be personal. They will depend on what matters to you. And the impact is how important it is to you. So I don't want to be with someone who has a drinking problem. I 
am not a boozer. I do not want to be with someone who's drunk all the time. I don't want to be with someone whose behavior changes when they're drunk. The impact for me, I give it a ranking, one out of five. Impact is five. Addiction issues, five. Anger issues, definitely five. Because I don't yell and scream and swear and punch and kick off. And I can't be with someone who does that. So that's a big thing for me. The other column is likelihood. All these things are very high impact for me, but the likelihood of them, if I were to rank Abe, likelihood of a drinking issue, it's zero, but I'm going to, let's say you put one because you have to put something. Addiction issue, zero. Anger issues, zero. Philandering, zero. Lazy, ha. If anything, he's got the opposite problem. So you see where I'm going with this. And then... You just click on this button, view risk map, and it just sticks all the things, just sticks them in a chart for likelihood and impact. Now, if something is highly likely, but it doesn't really matter to you, then it's not an issue. If something is not very likely, but it's important to you, it's still probably not an issue. It just It's just a fun little game that you can play for yourself or for your friends or family. And I'll send it to you if you email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. I do need an email. I don't think I can share the spreadsheet over DMs or anything. It is an Excel spreadsheet, so you would need Excel. Or you could use the risk map as a starting point for a conversation because some of these things could change. Thank you for listening. Feel free to rate, review, and share, or you can contact me at jewelsays at gmail.com. Have a wonderful week. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you Acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.